But I said, it's like a jerk, like how to get along with a jerk. And then I just said, you know, it's how to work with jerks. I thought about my own experience dealing with jerks. I thought about my own experience being a jerk. And I thought about my wife's experiences and all the other people who I consult with. And at the end of the day, it's I can't get along with this person. And it makes my life a living hell. You are now tuned into the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Meesey Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor, thrilled to be bringing you episode 53. And go-getters, we're nearing the end of the show. I'm very excited and cannot wait to talk to you about next steps with where we're headed. But for today, I actually have a really special guest. I want you to welcome Eric Williamson to the show. A little bit about Eric. He is a nationally recognized keynote speaker, workshop trainer, and check this out, go-getters. He is the author of the book, How to Work with Jerks, Getting Stuff Done with People You Can't Stand. I am just so excited to speak with him. Eric is also a consulting go-getter. He specifically focuses on helping organizations strengthen relationships with their colleagues and clients by creating an atmosphere where people are engaged, valued, and they are able to really kind of bring their, their best self to work. So I'm really thrilled to be having this conversation with Eric. As you all know, go-getters, as consultants, we spend, I'd say 99.9% of our time working with all types of different people, whether it's clients, it's team members, it's leadership, it's vendors. And so I really think you're going to get a lot from today's show in speaking with Eric. Also, I definitely want you to check his book out. So again, the book is called How to Work with Jerks. I'm going to put the link in the show notes as well for you to use it. I think part of being a really great consultant is also being able to influence. And that sometimes means working with people that are, let's just say, a little difficult. So I think Eric is going to really drop some nuggets that I think you all will find extremely useful. So with that, let's get started. Eric, welcome to the Macy Muse Unplugged. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Christy. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for connecting with us. So it's so funny, Eric. I forget how I found you online. But <laughs> <laughs> what's so interesting, somehow we're like in the same like Facebook group or something like that. But yeah. I remember when I was like, I need to talk to this man is when I saw that you were just about to publish your book. And the name of your book was just so amazing. I was like, oh, I have to get him on my podcast show. I'm like, there's no question because I need to hear, all my listeners need to hear the tips and gems you're dropping with this new book. So maybe before we get into your book, maybe we could take a step back and I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the go-getters of uh, the Missy News Unplugged. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Eric Williamson. I am author of the book, How to Work with Jerks. I'm an expert consultant and I work with organizations, large and small, to build relationships and strengthen them to create a positive culture and environment where employees and staff are engaged, valued, and developed into leaders. 
So I've been doing that for the past 15 years or so. Um, and basically, I just have a passion to see people succeed and help other people. And I'm also a family man. I've got two kids. I've got a two-year-old daughter and a three-week-old son named Jackson and a two-year-old daughter named Sophia. So that's been one great balancing act. As you can tell, little or no sleep, if any. So, you know, I've just been going, 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 but I've been loving every moment of it. That's awesome. So congratulations on your baby son. I think that's fantastic. I was talking to you before. I know you're probably not getting a lot of sleep these days. (laughs) No, sleep is at a premium. But you know what? I think I had some practice with my two-year-old daughter who's just a big fireball. She's got tons of energy. As soon as she was born, she was just keeping us all on our toes. I can't recall the last time I reclined in my couch over the past two years, <laughs> you know, our whole living room was turned upside down with toys and playpens and all this other types of stuff. And, you know, you'll see a stack of my books ready to get shipped out for people who are purchasing signed copies. It's one whole crazy mess, but it's a beautiful mess. So, yeah, you know, sleep is at a premium. And sometimes I find a way to steal like 20, 30 minutes of a cat nap here or there. And that, uh, that usually recharges me before I go to my next event or next meeting. So it's all good. It's all good here. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. So go-getters, you know, Eric just mentioned his, the name of his book. I'm going to say the full name because I don't think you did it justice. Okay. People need to hear the full name of the book. So it's called <laughs> How to Work with Jerks, Getting Stuff Done with People You Can't Stand. Like, <laughs> Mike drop and go-getters i'll make sure we put a link to eric's book in our show notes for today's show but that title alone you know that's a million dollar title right (laughs) (laughs) you know it took me a while to come up with that title christy if you only knew what i was playing around with before we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast i'll tell you that right now (laughs) my gosh it's a winner it's a winner eric and i'm so excited for you so congrats on recently publishing. I actually have my copy. It's actually, I have it. I haven't opened it up. It's sitting with a pile of other books that I have listed that I'm reading, but I can't wait to dig into it. So looking forward to reading it soon. But I guess before we get started and talking about the book, maybe you can share, you know, you mentioned that you do a lot of work with, you know, various different organizations as a consultant. How did you decide to go into consulting and how did you get started in the line of work that you do? That's a good question. Well, I started out in the public sector as a leader in the public sector, and I did that for about 10 years. And, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the public sector, but, you know, there's a lot of red tape and just a lot of organizational culture issues that you can find in the public sector. You know, whether you're talking about the state, local, or even the federal. And I won't reveal the name of the organization that I worked with, but I noticed that I had a knack for leading others. I would turn around, you know, teams that were not motivated at all, not producing at all. And I would come in and just provide a fresh perspective on things and really inspire them and help them achieve the things that they needed to do. And so having worked with colleagues and worked with people of all types, you know, I started thinking, you know what, I think there's a lot of other people that would definitely appreciate or definitely get a lot out of some of the things that I do to help out other people. Because a lot of people say, well, how did you do that? How did you you know, turn this organization around? How did you get us from 
being, you know, from this ranking here and producing the amount of numbers to in the top five, you know? Right. And so what I did was at first, even before I even did that, I just, I said, well, you know, I'll be more than happy to work with you. And I just listened to a lot of the good things. And then I talked to my girlfriend or I guess, well, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she said, you know what, why don't you, you know, come out with a process? You know, you probably do something that other people don't do. And so I started identifying what that process was. And then my wife was like, well, you know what? Why don't you just go for it? Just start your own business. And I was like, really start my own business? She's like, yeah, I think you can help a lot of people. And at the time she was going through a lot of stuff too with her job. She worked in the private sector for a venture capital company. And you know, she was having a lot of trouble there too. And so I would always give her all these t- types of tips and advices for how to deal with the people that she works with. And it was very helpful for her because she was able to, to manage that situation a lot better. And so, you know, my wife, she, I'll tell you, she was the one who really encouraged me that, you know, I have a talent that I can help out a lot of other people. And so, you know, I wasn't always that confident. It wasn't until I learned the importance of public speaking, which is why I joined Toastmasters, I don't know, right around that time where I started coming up with my own process for helping people. And that developed, that gave me the confidence to share my message with other people. Because I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters, but it's an organization where it pretty much forces you to speak in public and work at overcoming or managing your nerves So once that gave me the confidence, I said, you know what? I was confident in talking and then I became confident in my message. And because I had some previous success working in an organization and helping my wife who was working in an organization, I said, well, you know, let's just do it. So I decided to start my own business not too long afterwards. And pretty much the rest is history there. I mean, it took a lot of a lot of grinding, a lot of getting my name out there because, you know, I didn't have, the only background I had was my leadership position. You know, I wasn't an author. I was a very new consultant. So it took a lot for me to kind of claw and get my name recognized. And a lot of, you know, just speaking at public events and speaking at libraries and schools and stuff like that. And then, you know, people started catching on and said, hey, you know what? I think I can work with you. And then, you know, I went from working with, sharing a message with like 20, 30 people to 500 to 1,000 people at certain events, you know? So it's just, it's just crazy how things happen the way it does. Yeah, I agree how things kind of ebb and flow. And I'm so glad that you listened to your intuition, listened to your wife, <laughs> and was able to really kind of, you know, make some of the transitions that you made. And I'm actually very familiar. I'm a Toastmasters member myself. I became one in the last two years. Okay. And that's actually been really helpful for me and my career. Not only I thought it'd just be helpful for speaking, but it actually mm. has helped me overall with my career in terms of just confidence and the ability to convey a message. And right. it's a great organization. I cannot recommend it enough, especially for the price. You know, the price, you know, you get peer coaching, which helps in so many other parts of go-getters. I'll also put a link out to Toastmasters. There are like thousands and thousands of chapters. Chances are there's a chapter near you in your local area. So I'll make sure to put it out. And it's international too. So it's not just Toastmasters in the U.S. They're all over the world. Yeah. And the thing I like to say when people ask me about Toastmasters, I say, you know, it's the perfect environment to fail. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have fear of failure, fear of making a mistake. And Toastmasters is just the organization, the environment that allows you to make those mistakes without people, you know, judging and criticizing and feeling like you're just an awful person. You know what I mean? That you you have no sense of being on the stage at all. And so, you know, before I go to events, I'm up there speaking, I'm trying out material. So yeah, I echo that. It's definitely the place you want to go to. 
Yeah. Well, going back, before we pivot and talk about your book, one more question. You know, so when you think about all the experiences you've had and the transitions you've made, what would be the one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Oh, wow. Well, I've been saying this. I just said this at a college before. I had a similar question. I said, you know, I wish I learned the value of entrepreneurship before because that's being an entrepreneur is there's nothing like it. And I spent several years, you know, working in an organization. And if I knew the value of being an entrepreneur and doing it, following my passion, you know, I think I probably would have gotten a head start. But also at the same time, you know, things work out the way they work out for a variety of reasons. But I would say, you know, to that end, find out what you're passionate about. And I would say pursue that. And it sounds easier said than done. But a lot of people you know, they say, oh, well, you know, I wish I could do this. Oh, I would love to do this. I would love to do that. And then we say, well, what's stopping you? It's like, oh, well, I've got this full-time job or I've got kids or I've got this, I've got that. And we come up with all these things that get in our way of actually pursuing our passion. And before you know it, it can be too late before you can, can start that. You can get too wound up in things and you can just completely compartmentalize that passion, that dream and not even think about it. And then you might just live a life of regret. And that can happen to so many people. And so my advice would be to whatever you are passionate about, make sure that you follow through on that and don't forget about it and always pursue your passion because you can always make room for it. You know, if anyone, if your go-getters on this, that listen into this podcast or any bit like you, Christy, who are involved in so many things, you know, you have that work-life balance of family and your profession and your passion, you know, anything is possible. You know, if you listen to the Tony Robbins, you listen to Les Browns, any of those people, you can do anything. I know that may sound cliche, but a lot of times we just work because we want to make ends meet. We want to get that lifestyle or we want to pay those bills and we don't have room for what we really want. And I think that anyone can do anything they want, especially if you have the right plan. So just pursue your passion. That would be my message. Yeah, no, I totally agree on that. Now available on Amazon. Management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. The Misi Muse provides insights, stories and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.mecmuse.us. Well, let's have it and talk about the topic of the day, you know, how to work with jerks. My goodness. So maybe let's start. I would love to hear the founding story of how the idea of the book came about and just a little bit of the journey of it, you know, what it took for you to to write and publish it. Sure, sure. Well, it took me a total of two years to put this book together. And, you know, when I first said that, I was like, oh man, I was like two years, like people come up with books like every darn day. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, you know, you can't measure yourself to other people, but I had a lot of things going on. You know, I had the birth of my daughter and that was a bookend to the birth of my son because it was published around that same time. And the original title of this book was a real long title was because this book is inspired by emotional intelligence. And, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with emotional intelligence, it's the ability to manage your emotions and behaviors and understand yourself and other people so that you can build those relationships. 
And when I first came up with the title, it was something like, you know, how to succeed in today's millennial environment with emotional intelligence, blah, blah, blah. It was so long and boring. And I did a lot of studies with it and it just wasn't hitting. And then, you know, my author coach, I was talking to my author coach one day and she was like, you know, you really need a good title. And it wasn't until over last summer, I was, I spent hours, hours just thinking about what this book really is about, because that was going to help me come up with the title. And I said, you know, I just thought about people in my own experiences with dealing with just those, the people that you just, if you had a choice not to work with them, you would not do it. You would definitely not want to work with those people. And I said, it's like, you know, working with, and you know, obviously I'm not going to say what the real name was going to be, <laughs> but I said, it's like a jerk, like how to get along with the jerk. And then I just said, you know, it's how to work with jerks. I thought about my own experience dealing with jerks. I thought about my own experience being a jerk. And I thought about my wife's experiences and all the other people who I consult with. And at the end of the day, it's, I can't get along with this person. And it makes my life a living hell. And that's really one of the recurring themes of what's keeping people from either pursuing their dreams, achieving their results, or doing anything else. It's that barrier, that poor relationship that they have with someone that makes them want to leave the organization makes them want to do some impulsive reaction or do something that's not in their own best interest. So this was a personal thing, I should say. I started this book out with a personal thing just because of my own experiences. But I knew that a lot of people would understand. It's a pain point for a lot of people. It's, you know, a lot of people have difficulty, you know, getting stuff done with people that they can't stand. I mean, it doesn't matter if you work in a cubicle or if you're a barber, you know what I mean? If you're working with six other people, it makes it hard to get work done. And it's a real cost on an organization. It costs money, not just the organization, but it costs your well-being. It's an impact on your health and well-being as well. Right, right. And, you know, I give you kudos for really, you know, seeking to be the change you wish to see in the world, because I think you're right. I think most people's inclination, you know, if they're dealing with, you know, difficult people, you know, their first thing is like, I need to get out of there, right? Or mm -hmm. I need to, whatever I need to do to kind of like distance myself from the person. And it does become unproductive. It does become a health and well-being issue. And it does become a cost to the business. So it's, it feels like everyone loses in that situation. You make a great point. And that's one of the things that if you don't mind, I just like to reiterate one of the things that it's actually outlined in the forward, you know, a good buddy of mine, Jason Sackett, he put this, he put the forward together. And, you know, a lot of times, like you said, people, you know, they deal with jerks, they deal with a toxic environment organization, and their first inclination is to quit. And what happens is, yeah, you leave that environment, but what happens when you, again, enter another environment and when you work with jerks? You know, are you going to leave that next environment until you, you know, rid yourself of jerks? It's like, you know, almost what Michael Douglas says in Wall Street, you know, a dog with different fleas, you know? And then some people, they try to overpower jerks with their righteousness and say, you know what, I'm right and you're wrong because you're a jerk. And I'm going to go follow my standard operating procedures. I'm going to go to my management or I'm going to go to HR and I'm going to tell these people what's going on so I can get them to stop their jerkish behavior. Well, I mean, Chris, if you know jerks like I do, I mean, jerks don't take a day off. They could be one step ahead of you. They can be going to HR, they can go to the management staff, and they can be telling their own version of the story, which right. now means you have two sides of the story. And what happens when you have two sides of the story? That means there's really no end in sight. It's, well, let's all get together and let's all try to get along. And yeah, at the heart of it, that's the truth. But 
you know, when someone's really being passive aggressive or they're micromanaging everything you do, or they're just a complete jerk towards you, it's hard to get any resolution, especially when you have two different sides, because now a mediator or anyone else will definitely have difficulty trying to, you know, try to make a resolution to it. So, you know, they're inevitable. They exist everywhere. So without a clear strategy on dealing with it, you risk suffering, which is why I came up with this book, because sometimes people don't have strong HR or management support, or they're tired of leaving their work and they don't have a clear exit strategy. So the time being, if you're still going to be in that organization or you're going to be in any organization, you're going to need this book to help you get through those situations. And right now, Chrissy, this is very, very popular with college students. I've done multiple talks so far with college students ready to graduate. As you know, May is a graduation month. And you know, I almost delivered a scare straight program to them, to some of them, you know, like this is what you have to look forward to when you enter the work environment. And if you're not prepared for that, you know, you can risk really having a bad situation. Right. You know, it's just amazing. It's funny. I feel like personally right now, I am not dealing with jerks at this Mm -hmm. present time in my career, but I definitely can see this being kind of the definitive guide to, you know, when you start to bump up against those situations, how you really handle them. But you're right. I think is learning how to deal with them. And I'm glad that you're talking to the college students because I think sometimes college students, they, you know, there's kind of an innocence there and they right. may not realize they don't know what they don't know. And maybe yeah. thinking things are a little bit more idealistic than they truly are. So I love the fact that you're giving people really actionable ways to really deal with it. So And we'll have, we'll make sure we put the book out. So go-getters, you have to pick up this book and add it to your collection. So the day that, you know, you deal with the jerk, if you're dealing with one right now, instead of you running away and you suffering, there's ways to really kind of deal with that. So maybe you can share like, you know, maybe one or two actionable tips that you found really helpful when you've dealt with difficult people. Yeah, sure, sure. And it kind of dovetails into your talk, you know, when we talk about organizational environment and cultures and stuff. And one of the things that anyone, you don't have to be a leader, you can be an employee, but one of the things that you can do, well, first of all, even before I get into it, I mean, there are a lot of traits in there that you can do, a lot of tools that you can use. But one of the things I'll say about creating a safe environment, and what I mean by that is when employees or when leadership, when you don't feel safe, you kind of ball up, you keep yourself guarded, and you try to protect yourself. But when you're in an environment that's safe, that allows for people to talk freely, to level set, to set expectations, to have all types of ideas and things of that nature flow, whether it's in group meetings or one-on-one discussions, that allows for people to really be able to speak their mind without being afraid that they're going to be criticized or judged. And one of the ways that you can do that is through effective communication, such as holding group discussions like one-on-ones. You can do it with a peer. You know, even if that peer is a jerk towards you because they're trying to take credit for your work or they're trying to do this or trying to do that towards you, you can still engage with them because at the end of the day, if you are working with them, you still got to get the work done, right? So one of the things that you can do if you're working together with someone, you can set up a meeting to discuss expectations about what needs to be done with that assignment. The more you talk things out at the beginning of things, the more that you can be empowered to do your work without having to deal with the back and forth conversation with that person because you're on the same page and you learn a lot about the other person. You can learn about their perspective. You can tighten the relationship much better by doing that. So I would say creating a safe environment where people can actually feel free to talk and discuss expectations. And I just leave another bonus one too. And this is Uh actually outlined in the book. It's called the AAA method. It stands for assess, 
analyze, act. So when we're engaged in conflict, when we're having those crucial conversations with colleagues or if a leader's having a performance discussion with an employee or whatever kind of sticky situation you're in, sometimes those conversations don't go as planned. You know, people can get defensive or belligerent or emotions can start, you know, coming every which way. And a lot of times we aren't able to manage those emotions because we're too focused on how to respond to whatever rubbed us the wrong way, or we just want to be able to get our point across, or we're just too upset about that with that person. And basically what happens when you do that is that it just creates even more problems. Because if you were mad at, if that situation was already tough, if you respond the wrong way or you react on impulse, what's going to happen is it's going to escalate. So what you want to do is you want to keep that situation from escalating, and you want to keep the situation as productive and respectful and um, professional as possible. So I call it the AAA method, assess, analyze, act. The first step is you want to assess your feelings and assess that other person's behavior and what's driving that person or you to respond. For example, is your heart beating fast? Are you breathing heavy? You know, are you talking fast? You know, things like that. And why? You know, do you feel excited? Do you feel defensive? You know, and then you want to analyze, well, what's going on? Well, why are you feeling this way? Well, maybe... You know, someone just said something that you didn't appreciate, or maybe said someone took it a little bit too far, or maybe they're taking up way too much of your time by, you know, discussing something that really isn't relevant. So once you analyze that, you can really get to the heart of what's really causing these feelings. And then once you're able to do that, you can act. So for example, if once you've assessed and once you've analyzed that, you know what, I'm upset because this person's saying something that I do not like. Well, what you want to do is you want to act. And how you want to act is you want to act in the best way possible. You don't want to act by combating that person with another, something to make that person feel bad. Of course not. You want to act in the most professional. You want to take a measured approach. So what you do is once you account for all that to assessing and analyzing those situations, you can act and deliver the best response possible that's not going to escalate the conflict and that's going to leave on at least amenable terms. So this is ideal for, like I said, performance discussions. If an employee doesn't really like what their supervisor has to say when the supervisor is trying to get the performance discussion going along and there's just no headway, there's no agreement to the issue at hand. One of the things you can do before you act is make sure that you assess, you analyze and you assess the situation. And then you can say something like, well, why don't we carry this meeting over you know, to the next day until our emotions are calmer? Or why don't we try to bring this back to the heart of what the situation is? You know, I'm discussing your performance and I'm giving concrete examples. Maybe you can bring it back around to what the issue at hand is instead of reacting on the impulse or, you know, getting emotional over it or letting your emotions just get the best of you. So it's a three-step process and it can't be easy to do, but you have to do it intentionally, especially if you want to have the most productive and best outcome of a tense situation. Right. And you know, what I love about that three-step process is that, to your point, once a person kind of knows it and they have that framework to reference, it's a muscle. You know, you get a chance to do it often. The more you do it often, I think the more it can become a reflex in your toolkit of how you really deal in any type of difficult situation. So I really love it. I think it's really helpful. Yes, Chrissy, you hit it right on the head. You're right. It is muscle memory and allows you to control the situation like much more. So it doesn't matter who you encounter, whether you're encountering a subordinate, whether you're encountering your own boss or colleague, you can still use this process in any situation, especially if you're negotiating, if you're negotiating a deal. I mean, I've seen this work a lot with my colleagues who are negotiating like crazy deals, you know, that they're trying to get the best deal possible. And, you know, sometimes it's like, are you crazy? Am I going to do like, no, no, pause. 
assess, analyze, act, and then just get through the situation once you do that. So you're right, it is muscle memory. It's something that people can really benefit from. Yeah. See, now I'm going to have to now pick up the book and open my Amazon packet. <laughs> I would <laughs> to make sure that I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that just means we'll have to figure out how we can somehow connect in the near future and, right. you know, be able to sign the book. But Eric, this was awesome. Again, congratulations on new family member, new book, you know, new adventures. It just sounds like you're just at a very blessed phase in your career at the moment and life. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, well, Chrissy, thank you for having me. I'm glad we were able to have this happen. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to figure out another way to connect. And I cannot wait to read the book and have a more poignant conversation with you about it. Thank you. Thank you. And for all the listeners out there, you know, Chrissy's going to put the link on Amazon and you can also get in touch with me on my website. You know, I do monthly newsletters. Another one's coming out this month is called What Your Professor Forgot to Mention. And it deals with, you know, students trying to not being aware of what to expect in the workforce and giving them those tools to learn within the next within the first 60 days you know, when they're onboarded onto their work and onto their new job. So I put all types of tips and, and strategies out there in my newsletters as well. So I welcome, you know, people check out my website at tailoredtrainingsolutions.com if you're also interested in, in being a member as well. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put the link to the newsletter on the show notes as well. Well, thank you again, Eric. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in today. This is Christy Lindor signing out with the Misi Muse Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for a new episode syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information.